Hi, it's Lynn Galadner, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngaladner.com. And you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, it's Lynn. I'm excited to announce that my novel, Woman of Valor, is making its debut September 26, 2023. It would make me so happy if you might pre-order your own copy or email me at lynn at yourppl.com if you'd like to be added to our street team or attend the virtual launch party. This is a novel with a strong female lead. There's lots of romance, deep love, but also betrayal and abuse and ultimately resolution. And if you're curious about the Orthodox Jewish world, you'll learn a lot from this story. I can't wait to tell you more about it. Stay tuned for our September 8th episode, which will tell you all about Woman of Valor, and I hope to include you in all of our book celebrations. C.L. Walters writes in Hawaii, where she lives with her husband, two children, and acts as a pet butler to a plethora of pampered fur babies. She's the author of the YA contemporary series, The Cantos Chronicles, which includes the titles Swimming Sideways, The Ugly Truth, and The Bones of Who We Are. C.L. also is the author of new adult contemporary romances, The Stories Stars Tell, In the Echo of This Ghost Town, When the Echo Answers, and The Messy Truth About Love. And she's written an adult romance, The Letters She Left Behind. She also writes adult romance under the pen name Macy Aurora. I'm so excited to welcome C.L. Walters to the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something really embarrassing because since I discovered you and your impressive writing career, I've been fangirling out a little bit and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I have to say, I love your website. I even talked about it in, I teach an author, Brandon Marketing Mastermind, and I showed your website to my students. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and I love the confidence in your content. And I know that's a weird thing to say. But honestly, having never met you, I feel like I want to be you when I grow up. So, <laughs> so I, that's I have the, tears in my eyes. <laughs> so I'm I'm just like completely, you know, humble as I as I invite you on. But I'm really excited to interview you here. And now I get a chance to get to know you and learn about, you know, how you've been so successful with everything. So thank you um, so much. I yes. that is a boost of confidence <laughs> that you know I all of us can use, I'm sure. Like I, I know that I, I go day by day and I think, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> so that to get that kind of feedback, it's like, wow, I'm glowing right now. <laughs> I'm so glad. And I'm really bummed that my daughter already left Hawaii because like, I could have met you if I had known. <laughs> so it's like, we could have met. Yes. I know someday I'm sure I'll be back in Hawaii. So anyway, so let's just start at the beginning. I would love to hear about your earliest memory of writing. Tell me about that. Yeah, my earliest memory of writing is 
like legitimately story based is when I was about nine. I remember being about third or fourth grade, and I had written this short story, which is really uh, it's a strange short story for a nine year ten year old. And I went and I read it to my mother, uh-huh. and she cried. And this, oh. and it was that feeling of like hitting somebody in emotional fence. Of course, she was my mother, yes. my mother, I'm sure I could do no wrong and what, <laughs> what not, but that feeling of making somebody feel something was like, I have never stopped writing since. So. Oh, I love that. That's so special. That's I'm so <laughs> glad that your mom was supportive too, because oh, not very. every parent is going to do that. So that's amazing. Right. Yeah. Right. Very, very cool. So you now you're at the point where you've curated quite a collection of books in a variety of genres. So I want to hear about your process. Like, where do you get your ideas? How long does it take you to write a book? So just sort of take me through how it works for you. The process itself, usually the idea is like a little kind of explosion of something. It's a scene or just a slice sliver of dialogue or just a line. And I'm like, huh. And there's a curiosity that kind of percolates and I might sit and just kind of develop that scene and see where it takes me. And sometimes it takes me and I'm like, oh, there's definitely something here. Sometimes it's like, oh, that was fun. And I put it away. Um, And I don't throw anything away. I just kind of set it aside. It might not be the right time. Mm -hmm. And then when I realize, oh, I think I have something, I really kind of just go with it wherever Mm -hmm. it takes me. I'm, I wouldn't call myself a pantser, Mm -hmm. but I also wouldn't call myself a plotter. I'm kind of one of those people that just like maybe goes with the flow. And when I get stuck, then I'm like, okay, well, let me see why am I stuck? And then I'll do like little activities and exercises to get myself unstuck Mm -hmm. until eventually I get that first draft. And that first draft usually can take anywhere from a month to four, five, six months, just kind of depends on how much time I'm devoting to that singular draft. And I wouldn't say it's like a, a first draft. I'd say it's like a first draft mixed with a second draft mixed with like a revised third draft. So by the time that six months rolls around, I've got maybe like third or four drafts through and it's going to betas. So then I send it off to beta readers. And then while that's with beta readers, I'm working on something new. So Mm -hmm. there's kind of this cycle of projects that always happening. Yeah. And then when that beta feedback comes back, I'm revising Mm -hmm. and getting it to the best shape I can get it before I send it to my editor. Uh And then my editor reads it and gives me her feedback and I revise again. And then I reread it again for proofing and then it's publishing. And usually that process takes anywhere from nine months to 16 months. It kind of just depends where I'm at in the cycle and how complicated the book is. So for in the echo of this ghost town, for example, that took a little bit longer because I did a lot of research on male culture and I wanted wanted to make sure I kind of got that voice right. So there's a little bit of research in there as well. So So, it kind of depends. Yeah. So you do this full time. You're writing full time. Yeah, I am. I am. But you did. Did you always like, was there a time? Okay. So tell me that story (laughs) and then we'll get up to here. I was a teacher before I was a, well, I was always writing. I was a writing teacher. Let's say it that way. I was getting paid to teach. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I taught middle school and high school. 
English literature and reading. And so I spent a lot of time immersed in story, a lot of time trying to teach students how to write Mm -hmm. and think about story. And it's just always been a kind of a part of who I am. And so at some point, I guess it was about 2016, I self-published my first book, Mm -hmm. um, The Ugly Truth. It was Mm -hmm. just an absolute disaster. And (laughs) well, self-publishing is I had no idea what I was doing. So, you know, that's, that's a whole nother story, but it was a disaster. And I thought, oh, I'm just a failure. I can't get it traditionally published. I can't Mm -hmm. get any traction on this. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to be a teacher. And at some point, you know, you get faced with, you get a situation that makes you look in the mirror and go, am I on my path? And I realized that, yes, I'm a, I'm a good teacher and I, this, I enjoy doing it, but that isn't what I've always wanted to do with my life. So I was like, I need to look at the writing more closely. Mm -hmm. So I started writing more diligently Mm -hmm. and I took some time off from work. I took Mm -hmm. a a, a year off Mm -hmm. and just really devoted to writing. And I realized this is what I have was always meant to do. Mm. And so then my husband and I made a plan. How are we going to make this happen? And Mm -hmm. that's how I did it. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so many questions that came up with that, but So the first book you say was a disaster and tell Mm -hmm. me why, like what, how do you define it that way? I define it as a disaster because a a couple of things, one, it was my first book and I really kind, it wasn't really my first, I shouldn't say that. That's kind of a mischaracterization. I had written a lot of books prior to this one. None of them published. Mm -hmm. They were all sitting in the proverbial drawer. Mm -hmm. This was the first one that I was like, I, this needs to be out in the world and Mm -hmm. I want to put it out in the world. So that, that's what I mean by my first book. And it was, I didn't do any of the things probably, I didn't do anything necessary when you go into self-publishing. I didn't really know what I was doing. Okay. And one of the things that I couldn't get to work was the ending. And so I was like, well, okay, it's okay. It's uh, it, it works. It's good enough. Put it out. Yeah, yeah it's good yeah, enough. Yeah. And later on, I realized why it didn't work. But I didn't buy a cover. I didn't do any mm. of the things necessary to check that list of okay. of successful self publishing. Sure. So that made it a disaster. The other disaster was not recognizing. I knew in my gut the ending wasn't right. Yeah. And I didn't listen to my gut. Okay. So those were the kind of those little disaster moments that I love that I can look back on and go, come on, you know better. (laughs) You've been there, you've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Trusting that inner voice. It's really interesting. So I just a little a bit for you. I was a journalist for 15 years and then started a marketing company and I've always written. Um, I have an MFA in poetry and, you know, and so I've, I've had eight books come out, two poetry, six nonfiction all with small presses, like very cool, whatever, but we're probably a similar age. And when I was growing up, it's like, oh, you don't self-publish. And then I I got back into my writing, like in a serious way in the past, like four or five years. And I'm like, okay, you know, so I'm just going to do the traditional thing. Like I'll pitch for agents and then, you know, that whole thing. And I, so I have a novel coming out in September and it's not agented. Thank you. It's not (laughs) agented. It's not, it's, so what I decided I started querying, got lots of requests for full manuscripts, um, but no bites. But the whole time, this voice inside me was saying, I can, I don't want somebody else to give me permission. I can do this myself. And I share this because I know that you have a publishing house too. And I um, (laughs) started my own so that I could publish this book and others, which I'm excited about. 
And I feel really good about it. And I had to sort of first overcome that like, oh God, it's self-publishing. But it's not like self-publishing of the 90s when it was like mm-hmm. something you didn't do. It's like incredibly valid and freeing. And it was like this deep conversation with myself about what are my priorities? What do I want to achieve with this? And right. this sort of checked all the boxes. And so now, you know, I have my own press that I'm turning into a hybrid, you know, imprint for others too. But um mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it because I feel like no one's going to love my book more than me. And so I do have the marketing skills and I'm doing all the research and I've hired editors and and proofreaders and everything. And actually I have the covers in process right now um, with designers and stuff. So yeah, so so I feel like it's a little bit of kindred spirits here. And (laughs) I'd love to hear about your decision to start your publishing imprint and how that whole journey has been for you as well. Can you tell me about that? Yes, I can. I was in the same boat you are, which was if it's not traditionally published, then it's not worthy. Yeah, and yeah. I um, and I think a lot of it really comes down to like in the eighties, nineties, maybe even prior to that, vanity publishing was very predatory. Yeah, so there was this really kind of icky feeling with the idea of vanity press. So self publishing mm-hmm. in and of itself was vanity press. That's really yeah. the only thing you had. Yeah. As yeah. a self-publisher. So right. when Amazon happened and Amazon blew up, that was a totally different beast in and of itself, yeah. even though it still had the self-publishing title attached, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't vanity at all. Right. 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 I had done the querying cycle and I was on that, that wheel for a good 20 years. <laughs> Hamster and, wheel. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I just, it, it basically kicked my butt and my confidence. The fact that I thought I just, I guess I'm just a terrible writer. That's kind of what I took from that because I just couldn't get anything going. And so then I just dabbled with writing as I taught writing and continued to write and continued to enjoy that process of poetry and whatnot, whatever I was writing Mm -hmm. while I was teaching writing. And then rewrote that book. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to try this. Yeah. Tried the whole Amazon and it it just kind of fizzled because I didn't understand marketing. I didn't understand there's a whole business behind writing. It's a business. It's not just creativity, right? Yeah. And when I went and wrote the next book, which was Swimming Sideways, which is actually the one that came out first, Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll put it in a little quote, came out first. Uh That book was sitting and my cousin who is a self-published mystery author Mm-hmm. He said, why didn't he done self-publishing it? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, let me read it. And mm-hmm. he read it and he said, holy beep, this, <laughs> this is good. You need to self-publish this. Don't even wait for the yeah. whole yeah. traditional thing. You need to get this out there. So that's what I did. Well, yeah. I, I still didn't really understand the whole business side of things. Mm-hmm. Went through Amazon and I think it was maybe... A year because it was after the whole Cantos trilogy was out. Mm -hmm. And I was working on the fourth book, The Story Starts Tell. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I called my local Barnes and Noble, and this is Mm -hmm. before Barnes and Noble. We've seen a big shift in Barnes and Noble in the last year, uh, 16 months. But then they were like, oh no, we do. Why would we carry our competition? And it was this light bulb that went off in my head that was like, oh my gosh, I'm in a business. Like, Right. And so I was like, I need to totally rethink everything. What am I doing? And that is really where Mixed Plate Press was born. 
Okay. And it's just really that imprint because I wanted to communicate. I am a businesswoman. This is the product that I'm selling and I'm a legitimate person. I want to be a legitimate person in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really how it was born. Now, I'm just curious, do you do through Amazon KDP and then wider distribution or do you also do separate Ingram Spark? I do a mix. So yes, I do KDP and Amazon or exclusively for my Macy Aurora pen name, which is Mm -hmm. Spicy Adult Romance. Nice. Um, Because that's where it really fits the best. That's where it's going to get the most traction. But then I also publish that paperback through Ingram Spark in order for the global distribution so that it can get into bookstores. And then all of my CL Walters titles are in Ingram Spark. Okay. First and not Amazon? Yeah, first. Okay. Yeah, Got first. It. Okay, interesting. So after the podcast, I'm going to pick your brain because I need to learn all that. But that's very cool. <laughs> really, yeah. really cool. So, okay, so congrats. That's amazing that you have this press and that you've you know really mastered this and you have such a body of work. And so I was wondering if you have a vision for your, for your sort of body of work, like certain themes or storylines that you keep wanting to build out, or do you just sort of whatever grabs you, you go in that direction and develop a series or you know, that kind of thing? That is a great question. I think what I found with the CL Walters titles is really that even the Macy Aurora stuff is that healthy relationships has been really kind of a key overarching element to everything that I've been putting out. Mm-hmm. Whether the story is categorically uh, c- contemporary or fantasy or mm-hmm. a little bit of space opera, it's mm-hmm. always kind of geared towards this idea of I am who I am as a main character. Mm -hmm. And I have to celebrate who I am in this skin. Mm -hmm. And then how does, what does that look like in relationship to other people? Mm -hmm. And I think that is probably that main theme that runs through most of my work, Mm -hmm. no matter what the different (laughs) approaches to story are. That's very cool. That's really, really cool. You know, one of the things I also wanted to say about the whole querying hamster wheel and all that Mm -hmm. is one of the light bulbs that went on for me when I was doing it was that it, I mean, it is the business, but I would have agents say, you're a great storyteller. I love this story. This was so captivating. I'm not going to take it on because I don't think I can sell it or this one happens to be more literary fiction, but they're like, literary fiction is really, really competitive these days. I don't think I can break into it. And it was like, Oh, because I can't make you money. That's why you're not taking exactly. it on. Exactly. And I was like, yeah. And I have another friend who started her own press um, in Europe. And and she was talking to me about, you know, well, do you want to sell a lot of books or do you want to make money on your books? And I'm like, well, can I do both? Mm-hmm. And she's like, maybe not. Like maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like this like awakening, you know, like, oh, yes, you know, I, I would love to make a lot of money on it, but I also really want people to read my books. And so- <laughs> right. You know, it anyway, so I just think it's really interesting and wonderful that we have this option to sort of do it our own way and and get yes. really good writing out there so that you can connect mm-hmm. with readers and really get right. those messages across. You know, it's really empowering, I think. And and what you've said kind of touchstone has a touchstone for me as well, is that when I started to understand that all of those rejections weren't necessarily related to the quality of my writing, but rather whether or not that particular individual could see it working in the business marketplace. It really freed me up a little bit to be like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Maybe they don't see that vision. Like we can see the vision of our own work. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, like I don't need to make money for other people. I can make it for me. So we're good. Right. (laughs) You know, there you go. You know, (laughs) right. Right. 
That's awesome. That is really cool. Tell me a little bit about your audience and your following. Like, how have you built your audience? How have they found you? And and what do you do to nurture those relationships? It's a very slow process. Let's say it that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I started my Instagram like almost immediately. So social media has been very important in the mm-hmm. the process of connecting with people. And one of the things I think I did right, but I didn't necessarily do it specifically because I knew it. I think I just instinctively was like, I made it social versus a selling touch point, right? And I think this is one of the things many authors lose sight of is it becomes their their Instagram or their social media becomes like book, 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 rather than person, 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 person. Because the whole point of social media is to build relationships and community, right? Exactly. I mean, that's the ideal, not that it's always happening, but that's the ideal. Yeah. So I think that was the first good thing I did. The second thing I did was create my website mm-hmm. and really kind of recognize that your social media or those kinds of things can't be your end all because right. one, you don't own that yes. space. Yep. And that space is kind of a, maybe a bridge. It should be a bridge between okay. you and that website or okay. you and that newsletter, because that's where the that's where you have a little bit more empowerment. So really trying to figure out how to use that as a funnel yeah. between you and that that website or that newsletter. And then the next thing I did, obviously, was create the newsletter. Mm-hmm. I think to nurture those relationships on all three of them, so mm-hmm. website, social media, and newsletter, mm-hmm. has been really trying to figure out how, what is it that my target audience wants yeah, and what is going to keep them excited about what I'm putting out. And so that's kind of where I've tried to think about how am I going to use these three different spaces Mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm putting out kind of content that is going to be exciting and relevant to my audience. So that's really kind of what I've thought about. And how do you know how to use those? Like, how do you know what they're looking for? Have you, like, (laughs) do you ask, do you like say, hey, tell me what, you you know, or like, or do you get like feedback once you put something out? And so you learn from that or? Well, one I think is doing the research for your demographic. So if I'm writing new adult fiction, who is my new adult demographic, what's my target audience? So recognizing, Mm -hmm. and you know, this is a marketing person, right? You're looking at your target audience and trying to figure out, okay, who is this? 23 year old, right? Right, What is it that I, what do they want in their life? What are, what's exciting to them? What is my ideal reader? Of course. I mean, not every 23 year old, Mm -hmm. but my person who's going to pick up my book and be excited about it. What do they want? Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of is part of it. Mm -hmm. And then part of it, I think is also that there's some instinct in there too. And there's some reflection on what would I want? Yeah. And what would make me excited? Why do I go to this particular author's page? And mm-hmm. why am I excited about what they're putting out or sure. not putting out? You know, so like, what is it that excites me? So the feedback really comes in whatever kind of engagement you get. And yeah. Yeah. I don't get a ton of engagement, to be frank. <laughs> The, I don't know that anyone the, does, to be honest. Yeah, I like, don't know. Yeah. So it's hard to know sometimes when in that feedback loop, which is very teacher centric, I'm always kind of thinking about that feedback loop. I'm thinking about, okay, I'm putting stuff out there. What kind of feedback am I getting back? Yeah. And sometimes there's actual engagement like on Instagram or a comment on the blog. Yeah. But really the engagement, the, I mean, the feedback that I'm getting is whether my analytics and my website says it's going up or down. So that's kind of the feedback I'm getting. Now, (laughs) do you ever do events where you're like meeting readers in person or any of that kind of stuff? 
Well, when I really came out was during COVID. So oh, even though gosh. <laughs> during Swimming Sideways, The Ugly Truth and The Bones of Who We Are, those were all pre-COVID, but okay. I re-released them under Mixed Plate Press on okay. uh, March, March of 2020. Oh my so gosh. So it was like, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> like, right. okay. Yeah. You couldn't have planned yeah, that worse. So <laughs> I know. I didn't really get to do a, my first event. I got to sign books at Barnes and Noble the following year. They okay. didn't do any in-person events. They just did like, you can come in and sign your books for us. We're going to put okay. them on the shelf. Okay. And my only in-person events that I've, and oh, I had a bunch of events lined up for that summer too, but then everything just got just canned because of yeah. 2020 COVID yeah, yeah. and rightfully so. I really didn't get to do a lot of in-person events. And then uh, this last year I've been doing like farmers markets and things here at home mm-hmm. in Hawaii. And so I've got yeah. to chat with people and, you yeah. know, that kind of event, but I haven't really done any book signings or those kinds of things yet. Yeah, I will. I'll tell you, I came to Hawaii for my first time when I turned 50. And that Mm -hmm. was, well, I turned 50 in 2021. And so, and I had, you know, planned this for years because Hawaii from Detroit is a very big destination. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to really save up and plan for that. So, and we came, my husband and I went to Kauai for a week and then our kids met us in Maui for a week. And okay. it was there that my daughter said, I'm going to go to college here. And she applied to Manoa without sight unseen, like never having been to Oahu <laughs> or anything. And anyway, but I will say like, it was, that was the end of 2021. And it was still very difficult to get into Hawaii and make sure we all mm-hmm. cleared. And they were amazing with COVID. They were just the yeah. you know, whole state, which I understand you have so many people coming in now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. We were closed. We were pretty closed off. But it's a nice place to be closed off. So, you know, it's a great place to be closed <laughs> off. So I want to say I have a lot of students, I teach a lot of writing classes who who worry that they're imposters, you know, that they're not worthy of the title writer. And I, I love how you said in your pre-interview questionnaire, I'm quoting here, I write because I have to write. It brings me absolute contentment and joy. And I completely understand how you feel. So I wanted to hear from you about this urge to write and and what you're hoping to accomplish through your writing as well. So it's a need, but also putting it out in the world is another step. So tell me a little bit about both. Ah, it's just so central and core to my identity. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have those jokes that like you read a book and that becomes your whole personality. Well, that's like, that's me yeah. Yep. <laughs> with writing. It's just, that is who I am. I have always yeah. been this creator, this writer. Mm-hmm. So to separate the two seems absolutely ridiculous, ludicrous. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. think I could separate who I am from the writing. So that's yeah. why yeah. I have to write. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to think about how to answer this question. I'm thinking about that imposter syndrome. And then I was thinking about there was another piece you had in there. You had Just about like what you want to accomplish. Like I, first, oh, so what I tell my students when they say, you know, can, can I really call myself a writer? I'm like, if you write, you're a writer. Period. Yeah. End of story. Period. Like it's it's <laughs> not doesn't mean quality. Doesn't mean published. It doesn't. It's just the act of writing. Yeah. But I also say that you know most people who write. I mean, I write to figure out what I think about things and and make sense of things. But I also write to have a conversation with my readers. And so, you know, sort of to share ideas, to spark change, to whatever. So I just wonder if you've thought about that in relation to your writing, like what you hope it does when it's out there in the world. I had a reader read Swimming Sideways and then DM me 
and say, she threw a quote back at me. And the quote was something like, I can't remember the exact quote. I don't remember once the book's out. It's kind of like just the idea in my head. It had something to do with the fact that we are mistakes, but our mistakes don't define us. We make mistakes, Mm -hmm. but our mistakes don't define us. She had given me that quote back Mm -hmm. and said, thank you so much for this because I have made mistakes in my life, but this helped me see that this doesn't have to define who I am yeah. moving forward. Yeah. And that it's that kind of moment that yeah. makes you recognize this is why I'm doing what I do. Yeah. You may not know when you're writing, when I was writing the story starts tell, mm-hmm. I didn't know what kind of impact that would have on women struggling through the whole purity culture, mm-hmm. you know, thing. And yeah. when they got their hands on that book, they were like, oh my gosh, they were able to give themselves permission, right? To yeah. like rethink and re- deconstruct some of these yeah. values that had been fed to us, right? During, yeah. Especially during the 80s. Yeah. I didn't know that's what was going to happen when I wrote the book. But when you get that feedback after, you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This is why I do that. So I'm not, I'm not sure that I walk into a project thinking this is what I hope comes from it. But I do know that personally, when I was writing, like, say the story starts tell there was catharsis in that, right? Yeah, so there yeah. is that, like you said, a conversation with yourself in some ways, yeah. as you're processing your maybe your own trauma, you're processing your own the yeah. messaging that you've had. But you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Other than that, it's that those moments where you're like, that story just resonates so loud with me. But then when you get the feedback back that it's resonated for somebody else, that's the power in it. I think yeah. that's where that power is. And in terms of, I just want to comment yeah. on the whole imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, I suffer from imposter syndrome all the time. Yeah, and same. I think all creators do. And one of the things that I, I don't know what the word is, but I guess I guess kind of grappled with or thought mm-hmm. about is mm-hmm. that. I think as creators, one of the things that we are is also very reflective Yeah. and that imposter syndrome. And I felt this as a teacher before this idea of like, I'm a terrible teacher. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I have failed my students completely. I don't really think that that's true. I think it's a lie that we tell ourselves and it mm-hmm. can, it has the potential to derail us. Mm-hmm. I also think it has the potential to make us better. It makes us reflect on our practice and Mm -hmm. our craft. It makes us reflect on, okay, what am I doing? How am I doing it? And how can I do it better? So that imposter syndrome can also be empowering in some ways if we allow it to be. Yeah. And a motivator. I love that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask, I didn't know about your pen name in your other genre. So tell me just a little bit about that. (laughs) No, I'm going to go off and buy something right after we hang up. So yeah. Bring it on. I started I started it last year, 2021. Okay. No, 2022. It was a kind of a I had been reading a lot of romantic fantasy. That's a, a huge genre right now, this mm-hmm. romanticy spicy fiction. Okay. Sarah J. Mass and the whole mm-hmm. Akatar series, right? Okay. And so I had read a bunch of different stuff and I was kind of walking around going, I like I see the appeal, yeah. but I'm like really left feeling like this feels so not empty, but I just feel like there's something lacking here. So I was like, you know what, as an exercise mm-hmm. for myself, I'm mm-hmm. just going to try this. Okay. So I sat down, I opened up my Grimm's fairy tale, I <laughs> pointed to one and I opened it up. I was like, oh, it was a paragraph. I'll redo this one. Okay. And all of a sudden I, I had a story oh. and I had a one that excited me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. But it was so spicy 
And I was had never like written spicy fiction on this kind yeah. of level before. And I okay. was like, but it was so much fun that I was like, oh, I'm going to finish this. Uh-huh. And then I got to a point where I was like, I think I could publish this. But because C.L. Walters was a little bit more contemporary, a little more young adult to new adult. And yeah. it, there's there's a little level of spice. I think it's probably a little tame. Okay. Yeah. In comparison, the teacher in me was like, you have to be responsible. You should do it under a pen name. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so when my talk to my family about it, I was like, would you be embarrassed if I did this? And all of them were like, no, mom, just publish it. But you know, <laughs> you probably won't read it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to go with the pen name anyway, which is it's Macy Aurora. I decided okay. to go with the pen name anyway, just because I thought, you know, I, I still feel better about kind mm-hmm. of having those delineated. Okay. And do you connect um, your audience? Like, do they, does everybody know that you are one and the same or? I haven't kept it a secret. Okay. So okay. if you're sometimes on, the only thing I don't do usually is share the Macy Aurora stuff on my CL Walters account on Instagram, yeah. just because in case I have those YA, you yeah. know, 14, 15s following me, I don't want to like, you know, yeah. promote something that maybe their parents aren't necessarily ready for them to be reading yet. Right, but, right, right. Um, but I haven't. It's been both places that I have pen names, two pen names. Yeah. How fun. How fun. (laughs) So what is on the writing horizon for you now? What are you looking to work on next? Right now I'm writing book three in that Macy Aurora series. So I'm in that drafting phase and my new CL Walters, the Ring Academy, colon, the Trials of Imogene Saul Mm-hmm. is with beta readers. So okay. that's the next one that's coming out. That, that'll be around August. And it's okay. kind of a space opera adventure, nice. you know, a little bit of a mystery. Yeah. Is the goal like a certain number of books a year or is it just sort of as you get them done and they go out or do you have like I sort have of a, a flow? Goal. Yeah. yeah, I have a flow. So usually one CL Walters title a year and one Macy Aurora title a year. So two nice. books a year. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't, I wish I could do more. I just don't know that I have it in me to write that fast, especially as a perfectionist yeah. and wanting to make yeah. sure that the quality is there. Yeah. So about two books a year and uh-huh. yeah, that's about it's pretty, pretty damn good. I have to say it's, it's pretty <laughs> amazing. Yes. Okay. So before we finish our conversation, I'd love to ask what advice you might offer to writers who are listening to this podcast. Oh, my number one piece of advice is to read, read, okay. read, read read widely, read Mm -hmm. a lot, read outside your genre, outside your category, read short fiction, long fiction, read essay, read whatever you can get your hands on. I Mm -hmm. think that is the number one way to build your craft. And because I think one of the things, one of the ways that we learn is through modeling Mm -hmm. and by reading, Mm -hmm. we can then model things that we see that we're like, wow, I really like how this author did this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then eventually we are able to take that and make it our own tool in our own way, in our own unique way. So the more we read, the better. Nice. Nice. Well, Cami, it's been so amazing to chat with you and get to know you. And um, I hope that I will come back to Hawaii sometime in the near future yes. so I can actually meet you in person. <laughs> that would be great. Be at a book event then now that things are opening <laughs> up, you know. But thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org 
or lynngaladner.com.